Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 157. There are so many important roles in Royal Caribbean, but perhaps no position is as highly coveted or admired as a ship's godmother. Every Royal Caribbean ship follows in the maritime tradition of naming somebody to the role of ship's godmother, and this week, we have the honor of having the godmother of Anthem of the Seas to talk about her experiences. Emma Wilby, through a contest, was named Anthem's godmother, and in this episode, We'll discuss the events leading up to her becoming godmother, share stories of her experiences as the ship's godmother, and talk about what makes Anthem of the Seas such an amazing cruise ship. Here we go. On board a Royal Caribbean ship, there are lots of fun and interesting jobs, but I think the most intriguing and, well, downright lovable position has to be the ship's godmother. Royal Caribbean has a rich history of naming well-deserving women of all kinds to this prestigious role. And on Anthem of the Seas, Royal Caribbean chose Emma Wilby from Yorkshire, England to be her godmother. And this week, we are lucky enough to be honored to have Emma on the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast to talk with us about her role as Anthem's godmother. Welcome to the podcast, Emma. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. It's my pleasure I mean, to talk to a, a living, breathing godmother right here. This is awesome. This is a, obviously a huge role for you. But before we get there, Emma, let's tell us about the background before you became godmother of the seas. And, you know, which Royal Caribbean ships had you sailed on before? What was your history with Royal Caribbean prior to becoming and even, you know, considering becoming godmother? Um, so my background was more in um, in broader travel terms. I was actually working as an agent, a travel agent up in the north of Scotland. My husband is a military man and we'd been posted up to the Highlands where I'd started working for um, an international travel company. And unfortunately, I hadn't had the opportunity to sail on any Royal Caribbean ships um, before I took that position. Um, but I spent a lot of time researching them, learning about them, and speaking to my clients about them. Um, and they were just a brand that I loved to talk, to talk about as an agent. They were so easy to sell because the ships sell themselves. As you say, there's so much to do on them. And um, I, I became interested in the brand that way. Sure. Makes sense. And, and I guess along those lines, how did you become aware there was a contest to become the godmother for a Royal Caribbean ship? And and. Maybe even more importantly, why did you want to enter it? Um, I actually was a member of the Military Wives Choir where I was stationed up in Scotland and I sang a lot around my office. It was my manager who drew my attention to the competition to be godmother for Anthem of the Seas because um, one of the main criteria was that the godmother would sing at the launch. Um, So... I had a little look into the competition, and uh, I actually have a ship and heritage in my family. My grandfather was um, the construction manager for building ships on uh, the Weir in England way back in the 70s, and my grandmother actually launched a few of his ships, so we have a family history of being involved in that kind of thing, so I just thought it was really a really interesting connection and along with the singing and the fact that I work in travel, I love to travel. I'd already developed an interest in the brand from selling it to clients. I thought I'd be foolish not to apply. <laughs> Makes sense. Had you had you done any public singing before or I mean we've all sung to, you know, Journey while in the car. Um, <laughs> but I mean have you have you had experience singing publicly like that? Not professionally, no. I've done a few bits and pieces with my choir, usually as a group, so not not really 
on my own. Um, so, yeah, I was quite nervous about that, but I thoroughly enjoyed it when it came to it. And I did have an excellent backup with the um, the choir who sang with me, the Welsh Boys Choir, Only Boys Allowed, and they were a fantastic support throughout the whole rehearsal process. And also um, on the night itself, it was fab having them there to sing with me in public. That's great. Tell us about how you learned the news that you were chosen as godmother for Anthem of the Seas. I actually applied quite late um, late on in the process. It was, it was quite close to the closing date when I finally worked up the courage to send my application in um, because part of the application was actually a recording of myself singing. And um, so I was a little bit nervous about that. That's side of it. Um, about two days after I sent the application in, I got a call inviting me down to London for um, a further audition process where we had um, a, a workshop with a, with a vocal coach, a professional vocal coach. We had an interview um, that was also transmitted to Miami. Um, to, to the bosses there and um, it was actually a really enjoyable experience. There was there were four or five of us there and um, they were all lovely girls. We all got on really, really well, had a really great day and um, went away that weekend and got the call shortly afterwards. I just couldn't believe it when, when they rang, honestly. Everybody else who was involved was such a strong candidate too and, and I was very lucky and I feel very honoured to have been chosen. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, did you, you know, you know, you go through the audition process and, you know, you, you gave it a try, right? I mean, what's, what, what have you got to lose, right? And right. going through that and, and coming to, I mean, did you, what did you think of your, of your performance based on, on the audition in London? Of my performance in London? Yeah. Did you think, you know, you thought, oh, I nailed it or like, I did all right or you didn't have, you know, what was your, did you really feel, have a good feeling from your, your performance there in terms of how it, how it went? I think I really enjoyed it. Um, the song that we sang was the song that was actually performed for the name and ceremony. And it is an extremely difficult song to sing um, with the range and, and the belt that's required for it. It's also quite an emotive song as well, and um, I really feel like my work that day with Craig, who was a vocal coach, Craig Yates, um, actually I, I felt myself improving throughout that day, so I think probably the, the initial performance in London um, wasn't my best work, but then through working with Craig throughout that day, by the end of the day, I, I could see and hear the improvement myself, so I was just hopeful that the judges would also see that and see the potential for me to build on for the actual launch itself. Nice. Now, speaking of the launch, and you performed a number of duties as Godmother on Anthem of the Seas. You know, between the there were events in Southampton, there were events in in Bayonne, in Cape Liberty, New Jersey. What what which event or events stand out in your mind now as we look back on it all? I mean, I don't think anything that I ever do in my life ever again will beat the actual launch itself. That was just a once-in-a-lifetime experience that I'm just thrilled and honoured to have, to have been involved in. Um, so that was that was the big one for sure. But I also really, really enjoyed uh, taking Anthem over to America, being involved in delivering her to her new home port, 
and to have the opportunity also to thank a lot of people who were involved in the process. Um, there were a lot of the hotel directors on board that day. Um, Richard Fain was on board, Michael Bailey, and, and to speak to them after the fact, after the launch, after, you know, my life's been changed by this enormous event and to be able to thank them for, for what they've done and, and for involving me in something so fantastic. So I really enjoyed that too. I got to ask, you know, I'm just talking to you here. My palms are sweating. I'm excited. But, you know, I can't even imagine what, you know, having to perform in Southampton, in, in Bayonne. What, how did you handle it? Were you nervous? Are you, are, you just a, are you just a natural pro and this was, you know, nothing? I mean, how did you handle the, the nervous excitement I'm sure you went through? Oh my gosh, I always get so nervous. It's it's <laughs> it's really frightening experience to be to be out there on your own. But um I always feel like once the music starts and I start to sing, I just kind of get into the zone and just forget that everybody else is there. And I've actually been told by a couple of people since the launch that, that I walked out, to, out onto the stage and they saw me take a big deep breath and then the music started and that was it. You know, I was just I was just away. The nerves just fall away, and then afterwards, it's such an adrenaline rush because you can't believe that you've just done it, just done it, just performed in front of all of those people. That's great. Uh, speaking of the people, how often do you get recognized by guests or crew as the ship's godmother? Um, quite often, yes. Whenever I'm on board, um, the, um, the the crew on board at the beginning were absolutely fantastic, as I'm sure they are now. And um, they actually obviously move around the fleet. So quite often, whichever ship I go on, there'll be some crew members there who've been on Anthem, um, who, who I'll know, who, I, who I've spoken with. And, and it's really great when I bump into them. And, and actually, I know quite a few of them now. Um, for example, when we were on Navigator for our cruise quite recently, um, the, the activities manager who'd been on Anthem went throughout the launch process and everything, she was on board. And so I had a chance to catch up with her. And I also bumped into a guest who had been on board Anthem last summer when I was on just doing a cruise. I, I did a, um, a Mediterranean cruise with my husband, Stephen. That was part of um, the, the prize for being selected as godmother. And I met a lovely American lady and her family who recognized me from the portrait on board. And then out of the blue, bumped into her again on, on Navigator this summer on a Baltic cruise. I heard her call my name and turned around and couldn't believe it. It's such a small world. <laughs> That's awesome. I would say, you know, you should do a, you should just stand in front of that portrait and just stand there and see how long it takes for people to notice you. you know? <laughs> what? That's mean? Oh, come on. Um, yeah. Now, you know, Anthem of the Seas, as you know, Emma, is, is a fantastic, amazing ship, in fact. And, you know, it, it always makes me think, you know, what do you think makes Anthem of the Seas, and even to a greater extent, the Quantum class, different from other Royal Caribbean ships? You mentioned you were just on Navigator of the Seas, a Voyager-class ship, but, you know, the Quantum class and Anthem are, are so different uh, from the existing ships in the fleet, which is not a bad thing, it's just different, it's good, in fact. What separates, really, Anthem from the rest of the fleet in that regard? Sure. Well, I mean, um, as you mentioned, every class is unique in its own way. They all have very different personalities, I would say. Um, but the two main things that I think really set Anthem and Quantum class in general apart is probably, first of all, the dynamic dining, which I just think is a fantastic concept. I absolutely love that whenever I sail on Anthem, the, the flexibility that it gives you. And I'm such a foodie, so being able to to try all the different restaurants and, and to move around in that way really appeals to me. And um, the other 
big big difference I would say would be the 270 performance space it's one of the most expensive performance spaces at sea but it's completely worth any money that's been spent on it the the technology that's involved in that space and the shows that it can create are just like nothing I have ever seen before on land or at sea I agree. I love 270. It's a beautiful space. And I always tell folks when they're going on Anthem or any Quantum Class ship, when in doubt, if you're saying, you know, what am I going to do for the next half hour, hour, whatever, go to 270. Odds are there is something going on in there. And it's something really impressive. I love the Vistarama, Robo shows, of course, the premiere shows in the evenings. They're... It's really, un- and I think you're, I agree with you 100%, that is one of the most distinguishing factors. I mean, a lot of times the, the, the attention goes to North Star or, you know, Ripcord by iFly, but I think 270 is a very underrated uh, aspect, innovation really, to the cruise industry that Royal Caribbean has provided. So I agree with you 100% on that. I love that. Sure. All right, uh, Emma, time for the tough questions now. Are you ready for these? I'm going to give okay. you a quick fire questions. <laughs> what is your favorite restaurant on Anthem? And you got to pick one. This is not like children. You got to pick one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, oh, probably if I had to pick one, probably Wonderland, just because it's such a unique experience. Like everything about it is unique from the food, the way it's cooked, the way it's presented and delivered. Everything about it is just completely unique. So, so yeah, Wonderland. Great choice. Very different. And like I said, unique is the best way to describe it. It's a lot of fun. you got to check it out. How about speaking of our beloved 270, what's your favorite show in 270? There's many different ones throughout the day. Which one stands out to you? Um, I think Spectra is absolutely fantastic. I've, I saw that show probably four or five times, and it just never gets old. Whenever I have an opportunity to see it when I'm on board, I'll go along because I, I just think it's fantastic. It's such a, a journey visually, technologically, um, and and everything else that goes with it. And the cast that are involved are so talented. They, they all hold so many different roles, and there's a lot of spectacle involved. So I think that's probably my favorite. Nice. What do you think is the best-kept secret about Anthem of the Seas? Um, best-kept secret? One of my favorite things about the ship and you wouldn't necessarily think to go there and look for it if you didn't know it was there there is a swing at the very front of the solarium and when the ship is moving to go and and sit on that swing and swing on that swing it's amazing it feels like you're flying over the ocean i absolutely (laughs) love that that's That's a great one that would be a good secret absolutely and my last question for you emma is all right. I've we've got Star Trek style transporters for you. I can bring, I can beam you right onto Anthem of the Seas right now. Where am I beaming you on Anthem of the Seas, and why? Okay. Um, well, obviously the ship would be somewhere lovely and warm in the Caribbean, as I'm sure she is at the moment. And I'm probably on one of the basket chairs, the nest style ones on the sweet deck, relaxing. And the stowaway piano player is nearby playing a medley of my favorite tunes. Isn't that stowaway piano player amazing? He's hilarious, but also so talented. He can play anything that anybody asks him to. He's constantly taking requests. He's fantastic. Yeah, it's something you definitely got to check out. It's this it's piano player that essentially goes around the ship and performs randomly at different places. So it's not like it's listed in the cruise compass, but... 
it's a very entertaining show. It's more than just some guy who plays piano. There's a whole lot of uh, shtick involved, and it's it's very entertaining. So you definitely got to check that. I like that. Well, Emma, thank you so much for joining us here on the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast thank to talk you. about your uh, your experiences on Anthem. And, of course, you're doing a great job representing not only Royal Caribbean, but also Anthem of the Seas. It's a fantastic ship. I know she's over on our side of the pond now, and we get to enjoy her quite a bit. But I hope you get lots of opportunities to come on over and, and sail on her still because it's, as you know, an amazing ship. Yes, thank you. Wow, what an amazing opportunity to talk to the godmother of Anthem of the Seas. This was a huge moment. I was geeking out just thinking, oh, I'm talking to the godmother. Very, very cool stuff. And, of course, we just talked with Emma, and now we're going to talk with you virtually here with your emails. I love doing this. Each and every week, I invite you to send me your emails about Royal Caribbean, whether you have a question, a comment, a thought, whatever's on your mind about taking a Royal Caribbean cruise. And, of course, you can do so by emailing me, Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. And our first email this week is from Daryl, who writes, Hey, Matt, I enjoy listening to the podcast. Didn't find you guys till I saw your door stickers on Alert of the Seas in February. My question is about checking in for the cruise on Embarkation Day. I booked a junior suite for an October 2017 Barcelona to Fort Lauderdale cruise, and I'm wondering if I get into the normal check-in lines or are we allowed to use the suite check-in? Daryl, good question. You know, one of the things that junior suites offer, it's kind of interesting because junior suites are, you know, they have the word suite in their name, obviously, but they're not the same category as full-fledged suites like Grand Suites and above. That being said, junior suites do get some benefits, and one of them is priority embarkation. In fact, when I was on the Navigator of the Seas, we were in a junior suite as well, and we got priority embarkation for that and you get lumped in with the other suite guests to be able to do that so you should be able to take advantage of that daryl when you're going on your on your cruise there and um be able to get on board a little earlier and hey man every minute makes a difference right i don't care i'll, I'll take an extra couple minutes on board because that means there's an extra couple minutes during the cruise so you should be uh, lumped in there daryl but uh the good email thank you for the question next up we've got an email from Murph, who writes, you are right about the depiction of the bars and lounges. I spent most of my ship time in the lounges when I cruise, so I have some favorites as well. Very rarely have I found a bar I didn't want to go to. I would make a couple of additions to your views. My favorite part of the R-Bar in the Freedom Class that you didn't mention was the people-watching factor. Also, my favorite pool bar is the Juice Bar. The reason I enjoy it is because it's less crowded. The pool area is already crowded anyway. And another bar not mentioned was the Plaza Bar. Again, it's great for people watching bar, and it seems surprisingly less crowded, but you can get also eat and something to eat from the Windjamer. I haven't been on a ship with the mechanical robot bars, but I think it would be a curiosity. What do you think? Thanks for the podcast. Murph, great email, and I agree with a lot of what you said there, especially about the people watching. Part of the fun of drinking at a bar is the people watching, and on Royal Caribbean, there's ample opportunity for that. At the pub, they're often set, uh, there's seating outside, in fact, on the Royal Promenade or wherever the pub happens to be on, like, Radiance-class ships. They're more in the back of the ship because there is no promenade, but you still have some good people watching opportunity, and, you know, that see people coming and going, see crew members interacting. Hey, you might even see the captain walking by. You never know. So I agree, Murph. That's a great point. And the other thing you mentioned was about the bionic bar on the quantum glass ships. Appropriately enough, we just talked about that. And I think it's a great thing. You know, here's the thing about the bionic bar. I dare you to walk by and not look. It is one of those things. It's Even if you're not buying a drink, it is a fun bar to just sit around and watch the robots make a couple of drinks because it is truly impressive, quite honestly, in terms of what they're able to do and the way they work, and it's it's very cool. I, it's undeniably cool to watch. Even if you never order a drink there, 
And obviously, everything's better when you have a drink with it. But it's a lot of fun, and I agree. If, you, if you're on a Quantum-class ship, or even now Harmony of the Seas, which has a bionic bar, you have an opportunity to check that out. you got to go by at least a couple times and, and see it in action. And I think you have to at least once have a have the bionic bar make you a drink right just just for just to say you've done it right it's part of the research <laughs> next we have an email from paul and sarah jones from marlow uk after all the cruises you say navigator is one of your favorite cruise ships over the last two plus years we've been listening to your podcast and reading all the information on the blog page and you've spoken so much about navigator seas that made both myself and my wife wanting to try the ship for ourselves we, so we popped over to our travel agent and booked two 14-night cruises aboard Navigator of the Seas in September 2016 and September 2017. As we've been lo- loyal to the same travel agent over the last 20-plus years, we managed to get some great deals for our two bookings, like free premier drink packages for both of us on both cruises. Wow. That is why we stay loyal to Royal and to our travel agent. Some of the destinations ports are the same each cruise, so when we visit these ports, we probably will stay on board. I just would like to ask for some help, as you are the master of knowledge about Navigator. Can you name a couple of things a man should do without his wife and a wife should do without her husband? It is called My Time Cruising, after all. Also, can you name a couple of things we should do together, like activities, shows, games, and your favorite eating, drinking? This doesn't need to be while we're in dock. It could be any time over the course of the cruise. As we love each other very much, but sometimes we need our own space because I don't want to throw her overboard. She can't swim. Only joking. (laughs) Thanks again, Matt. Keep on cruising. Wow, great question. Something that Paul can do on his own, something Sarah can do on her own, and something they can do together. All right, so... This is, and obviously a lot of this is going to be subjective. What, you know, I find interesting may not be what you find interesting or whatever, but you get the idea. So let's talk about, I'm going to start with the easy ones, which is what you can do together. Certainly, I think the shows are meant to be seen together, the entertainment on board, because it's something that you can say, like, wow, isn't that cool? And, and those kinds of things. Certainly, the love and marriage game show, you have to see together, Paul and Sarah. You got to do it together. The love and marriage game show is a, I think it's a staple of Royal Caribbean Entertainment. It's fun. It's probably more fun if you're not on stage, but it's, you know, you, you get a little bit of insight into your own relationship and you get to joke about things that maybe apply to you and other things are like, whoa, we don't ever do any of that stuff, but it, it's a fun show. Definitely something I would recommend doing together. In terms of what your wife should do without you, I always do this with my wife, or she does it without me, rather, is go to the spa. That's my reward to her. She loves getting massages. It's the thing that she doesn't, in the course of her day-to-day life, allow herself to do. She doesn't justify it. It says, eh, it's too much money. I don't have time for it. So when we're on a cruise, I say, you got to take some time for yourself. Go to the spa here. Book whatever you like. Whatever you want. I really don't care. Book it. And take advantage of that so the spa is definitely huge and whether i don't know if your wife is interested in massages or maybe just getting going to the salon to get her hair done get her nails done whatever there's a number of great opportunities there to do and also quite honestly the spa could be something that you do as well a lot of men enjoy going to the spa i mean who doesn't enjoy a massage right (laughs) so there's that opportunity as well something that uh, you could do on your own you know certainly if you're going on navigator they got a great pub over there and if I, one of the things I love doing, actually, now, granted, you're not going to be doing exactly the same way. I'll, at night, I have to write my blog post for RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. I do a daily live blog whenever I'm on a Royal Caribbean cruise. And, you know, rather than write it, I don't know, in, in my stateroom, I take my laptop and I go down to the pub at night because they've got great nighttime entertainment in the pub where you can uh, take it. There's a, usually a guitar singer who plays amazing tunes it's it's more than just playing the music it's it's there's a little bit of entertainment factor there so that's definitely something you can do on your own especially maybe if your wife wants to turn in a little early that's a great option as well and i think that alternatively for all of them i mean the solarium is always relaxing you know whether you got some time you, you know maybe your wife is at the spa and you need something to do on your own 
go to the solarium. Always a great place to relax. Sit over there. I, I love, love afternoon, morning, evening naps in the solarium. I, to me, sleeping by the pool is the best thing. Well, one of the best things about a real Caribbean cruise, right? You got to relax a little bit, take it easy, and a nap by the pool. Oh, very, very nice. So definitely a couple things right there. And, of course, if any of our listeners have any suggestions, would love uh, to, to, to talk about that as well. And, of course, uh, Paul, I'm also going to include in my, in my show notes here a link to our Navigator of the Sea secrets that we have on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So you want to make sure you read that so you'll be well prepared for all the little hidden gems on Navigator. Certainly something you're going to want to take advantage of when you're on there because you've got two great sailings in there. I love Navigator of the Seas. And, you know, it's really about a combination of the value. You know, certainly the pricing for Navigator is phenomenal these days. And also, it's just with the refurbishment that Royal Caribbean did just in a couple of years ago, it really added so much to that ship. So there's a lot more variety of dining and entertainment and activities on board. So to me, it's just, it's one of my, it is my favorite ship and something that I look forward to cruising all, every time I'm on Navigator, it's, it's wonderful. So I think you're gonna have a great time, Paul and Sarah. Thank you for the email. Next up, we have an email from Thomas Cackler of uh, Iowa who writes, Hey Matt, I'm looking for cruises in January of 2018. Because of my vocation, I'd rather not do a cruise that has me away from home two Sundays in a row. That said, we want to take a longer cruise. One answer I thought of would be back-to-back cruises. Out of Tampa, there's a four-night cruise followed up by a five-night cruise, both on Brilliance of the Seas. In this scenario, would we need to get off the ship at all, i.e. check out and then check back in while in Tampa? And if so, is there a lounge or some other area that we can wait? Would we get back on the ship faster than others? Would we be able to leave our luggage on board? And aside from the one that duplicated port to call, are there any other issues that we would need to consider when booking a back-to-back cruise like this? Thanks to the podcast and blog, you were helping this Royal Caribbean newbie feel like a veteran in no time. Thomas, good to hear from you, my friend. I know Thomas from way back in the day. And this is a great question. Back-to-back cruises are a great option for exactly the situation you're talking about or just an excuse to cruise twice in a row. Who doesn't enjoy it? What's better than a Royal Caribbean cruise? Two Royal Caribbean cruises, right? So doing that is a great option. So here's what you're going to need to know. If you do a back-to-back, there's definitely some advantages to it. First of all, most people who do back-to-backs will tell you, ideally, you will retain the same stateroom. So you book the same room on cruise one and cruise two. So that way you don't have to pack and unpack. It's not the end of the world if you do. It's just one way to make it work better for you, if that makes any sense. And that may not always be in the cards, but certainly, Thomas, if you're looking at this and you can book the same stateroom and you're happy to, go for it because that's definitely the way to do it. So here's what's going to happen. On the, towards the end of cruise number one, you're going to get a letter in your stateroom telling you that you have special instructions about your next cruise. Royal Caribbean, every sailing will look at who does back-to-back sailings. There's quite a number of people depending on the sailing, but it's usually not a very common occurrence. And they will instruct you because... In the normal course of disembarkation from a cruise, you get luggage tags, you get sent to a certain area of the ship to wait for your number to be called, and then you disembark. With the back-to-back cruisers, you're sent to a special area. You don't have to bring your luggage. If you have the same stateroom, you don't have to. If you have a different stateroom, you're going to have to bring your luggage with you. Nonetheless, you'll go to the special room, you'll wait over there, and then in the interim period between when everybody from cruise number one is off, but before guests from cruise number two get on the ship, you will have a special check-in process, check-out check-in process, where they bring you through and Royal Caribbean kind of escorts you 
It's pretty easy, in fact. A lot of people have reported this to be very simple, and that allows you to get back on the ship, like you said, a little bit faster. In fact, you barely ever leave the ship, but again, it's more time on board rather than fully disembarking and then getting back on board through the normal process. So it definitely worked to your advantage by doing this, and again, you should be getting a letter in your stateroom towards the end of cruise number one to give you instructions on what to do. And in your other question was, aside from the one duplicated port of call, are there any other issues that we need to consider when booking a back-to-back? Not really. I mean, certainly back-to-back cruises, the advantage of doing a back-to-back cruise is simply you get two cruises in a row. The, the thing, I know you're coming from Iowa, so getting down to Florida may not be the most economical option. The thing I always tell people with the with back-to-back cruises is you get a great benefit in the short term because you get two cruises in a row. The negative to a back-to-back cruise, if you want to call it that, is that, let's say, if you have limited vacation time, which think most people are under, that means you're burning up a lot of vacation time in one time as opposed to spreading it out. I don't know if that really matters to you, Thomas. Some people don't use vacation like I do, which is like water. <laughs> you just go through vacation time like crazy. But that's a certainly a consideration if you'd rather do, you know, a four-night cruise here and then a five-night cruise, you know, later on in the year. That's two separate vacations, two different cruises, two different times to get excited. You know what I mean. But again, you're coming from Iowa, so there's airfare to consider or a lot of driving associated costs with getting down there. So maybe it's actually to your advantage to just put it all into one and take advantage of it there. But I think your plan is great on paper, Thomas. I love it. And I'm looking forward to hearing about your experience on Brilliance, the wonderful ship, as you may or may not know. I did a cruise on Brilliance of the Seas last year over Thanksgiving. Had a wonderful time. It's a great ship. I think I'll have a fabulous time there. So good luck there, Thomas. Thank you for the email. Next up, we have an email from Quentin, who writes, Hey, Matt, I thought I would comment on the person's question about cruising out of Orlando that I heard on Cruise Radio. I'm not sure if you listen as well. There's a website called Go Port Canaveral where they'll pick you up at Orlando's airport or surrounding airports, and you can pick a variety of airports and pick you up at the airport and drive you to the port and pick you up at the end and drive you back to the airport. If you use the discount codes which are available, you can also save additional money on there. I've never heard of this. This is really interesting. Go Port Canaveral, which is a website at goportcanaveral.com, and I've never used it, so I can't comment on whether or not it's good or not, but hey, man, if that's something to look forward, look into, especially if you're someone who's looking to, you know, do essentially this. You're going to fly into Orlando, get to Port Canaveral, and want to get back, and maybe there's some better options for you as well. So, Quentin, thank you for the recommendation. I love recommendations. Certainly, it's always better to have too many options than not enough. Next, we have an email from Milton, uh, who writes, Hi, Matt. Um... I know how fun it is for you to settle marital disputes. My husband and I have agreed to follow your ruling on our question. Oh, boy. Pressure's on now. All right. We cruise a few times a year, and I would like to bring a family-friendly game on each sailing and leave it behind in the library for others to enjoy. I brought things like Connect Four, Uno, Trouble, etc. I usually write a small note on the inside of the lid with our sail date and and a simple have-fun note. My husband thinks it's a ridiculous tradition that I should abandon. I think it's fun to see people trying a game I've donated even years later. What do you think, Matt? Should I end my eight-year run on our upcoming sailing? Wow. That is a wonderful tradition. I think you're... I'm going to agree with you on this one. And I think that you should absolutely continue this tradition. I mean, you know, these games, what do they cost you? A couple dollars, right? Especially, you know, if you buy them off the used market and... Even if you buy them new, it's not like it's that much of a difference. And you know what? It adds more fun to it. I think it would be great. I know that my daughter is always going to the library to look for things to do and maybe games or or books to read. And it can be somewhat limited. So any more options and being able to you know, pass it forward is wonderful. So I love this tradition. I say you continue doing it. You know, it, it's it's a great way to, to again, in, enhance other people's vacations plus their experiences. 
and it's fun for you because you get a little bit of a reward out of it. So that's great. Love it. I'm saying keep it going. Keep it going. <laughs> cool. Let's keep things going. Speaking of that, with our next email from Susan. All right, so I have a few tips that helped us on debarkation day. Ooh, Susan, this is good. I love this. All right, so here are some tips from Susan on debarkation day. Number one, plan a cruise for longer than seven days. You won't feel so sad to leave the ship after doing a 10 to 12 day cruise or a back to back. Number two, we always put on our travel clothes for the next day before packing. That way, we are sure not to pack the pair of long pants or sweater when flying back up north in the cold weather. Number three, if you have a late flight home, stay on the ship until they throw you off. You get extra time on the ship, and your luggage is so much easier to find when it's standing all alone in the terminal. And number four, we like to take a non-stop flight. So getting back home means an evening flight. We get in only minutes after those who sat around the airports and had connections, so we've discovered day rooms. We get to the shuttle to like a roadway in, clean, neat rooms, nice pool, take a nap, grab a bite to eat at the restaurant, good food instead of airport food, and when we check in, they arrange for the free airport shuttle, and we're all set. By the time we get to the gate, we are rested and well-fed. Great tips, Susan. I love it, especially the the day room idea. So this is an option that may or may not be available to certain hotels, depending on which port you're coming back to. But essentially, some hotels will give you a rate just for the day instead of paying for, you know, the night, right? And a lot of these hotels will offer you this as an opportunity for somewhere to nap, shower, you know, and like Susan said, just have some place to call home for a little bit, especially if you've got that evening flight that you got time to burn and maybe you've been there, done that, or you're not interested in touring or whatever. You know, there's a ton of reasons why you might not be interested in doing some short excursions before your flight. And I love this idea. So this is something definitely to look into. You're going to want to probably have to call, you may have to call the hotel to find it or maybe do a special kind of Google search for, you know, uh, for, for day rooms. I know that a lot of airport hotels offer this in Orlando as an example, if you're cruising out of Port Canaveral. The Hyatt, which is in the airport, it's literally, it empties out right by the security check-in, has day room rates available. Again, how cheap or expensive they are will vary, but that can be certainly a very convenient option. Uh, If if you're just looking for somewhere to shower, sleep, and just take it easy for a little bit, maybe watch some TV, and then be able to, you know, get on your way and and go on your flight when you need to. So, it's a great tip, Susan. Actually, actually, all four were really good. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing with us, and thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Love talking to you guys each and every week about Royal Caribbean cruising. It's a lot of fun, and of course, I want to hear from you as well. If you've got questions, comments, suggestions, tips, whatever's on your mind about Royal Caribbean, let's talk about it together. Send me an email, matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.